Welcome to Move Like This, brought to you by the Accounting Move Project and sponsored by Moss Adams and Sapro. On this podcast, we share ideas and hear from guests about how they find, retain, develop, and advance women and other underrepresented groups in their accounting firms. Now, on to our guest. Welcome to Move Like This. I am really excited today to be talking to Lori Lutweiler. She is the HR manager at Kirkering Barbario in Florida, Sarasota specifically. And thank you so much for being here today, Lori. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Before we get too far into anything specific, tell me a little bit about your firm and what you think makes it unique in public accounting. So Kirkering Barbario is the largest privately held accounting firm on the west coast of Florida. We've been supporting the Sarasota community for over 50 years. We also have offices in Lakewood Ranch in Tampa. This year, we welcomed three new female shareholders, and I believe our team's greatest strength is our diversity of thought and our internal collaboration. Excellent. KB, as it is normally referred to, is a true standout firm overall and among move firms in terms of women in leadership. You just mentioned that you promoted three new partners that are women. And according to your 2022 snapshot, women comprised at that point more than two thirds of all employees and 56% of partners. Most firms see a dramatic drop between women at a manager level and then women at partner level. Average across the industry is somewhere around 50%. So it is a huge point of just change and shift for most firms. So what is it that you're doing differently that allows you to retain these women at your firm and move them into partner level roles? So here at KB, I truly believe that diversity, equity, and inclusion are built into our DNA here. We've been supporting flexible work arrangements long before it's the norm. Our leaders have always realized the unique value that each team member brings to the table and have supported the philosophy of personal balance. So we believe that each team member's contributions are important, whether they're working part-time or full-time hours. And we accept that everyone has a unique journey And we truly have a place for all individuals here. And so that's really one of the reasons why I truly admire the leadership at this firm and why I think we have so many people who bridge that gap between manager and becoming a partner. There's so many women here who have been an inspiration to me and other women at the firm. And we've all really had that opportunity to support and forge our own paths. And it might look different for all of us. We have some people who have built new service lines, others who have balanced firm, community, and family commitments while leading a practice area, or even working part-time while raising a family and still becoming an owner with the firm, or managing to do it all and growing a service line while working full-time and having a family, or even if it's forging a path for yourself and becoming a trusted advisor. You know, the stories go on and on. And as a team member, but also an HR professional, I've witnessed that our firm truly strives to put employees first 
And I believe that our support for each employee and allowing them to seek the opportunity is, that is best for them is why we have such balanced leadership opportunities here within the firm. I love to hear that. And that's actually kind of speaks to one of the things that we will be really focusing on in this year's report is we have an entire kind of case study carve out section on scaled partnership models and how firms are creating those. Because like you said, they are very much, you know, there's no one size fits all. There's no one way to do it right. It's, you know, whatever works for the people within your firm. And we're kind of deep into the analysis right now for the report that'll come out in October. So I'm really excited to hear about how it's people first sort of flexibility going on at KB. I think honestly, that's going to be the biggest thing that keeps people at the firm that they're at during this talent crisis and even beyond. I completely agree. One way that you've tried to avoid burning out employees, speaking of that talent shortage, and balance capacity levels is by being more strategic and selective about the clients you choose to work with. So tell me a bit more about this decision and I guess how it's executed and how it's played out at your firm. So as a firm, our goal is to create an environment that attracts the best people and that way we also have the best clients. And so to support that, we consciously made the decision to step back and prioritize our team members to ensure that the workloads support the flexibility that they need to meet both their personal and professional goals, which also simultaneously ensures that our clients are receiving the exceptional service that they've come to expect from us. And so really prioritizing our people first has been really great for us. And we see that in our people, they are happy, you know, as we just came out of the 915 deadline, our teams felt successful that they were able to provide great client service, meet that deadline, but in a way that's manageable for all. Another thing that I think is interesting is 65% of your staff are on a remote hybrid or some sort of flexible work arrangement. Obviously, I think this is probably contributing to your ability to retain women so they can move into leadership positions in the way that works best for them. But we often hear firms talk about how it's hard to maintain connections and culture with so many people working out of the office. And additionally, particularly for new people that may be starting at the firm in a remote scenario for them to really connect to their coworkers and absorb that culture and understand it. So how is it that you're ensuring a cohesive work atmosphere uh, without laying down the law that some firms are deciding to do and saying, everybody's coming back to the office now? So we've really always embraced those flexible work arrangements, but our adoption of remote and hard work is largely due to the pandemic the cultures that existed in many firms pre-pandemic is not going to be the same culture that exists today. We need to continue evolving and building what it looks like today and what it will look like in the future. And so one of the ways that we've been trying to ensure that we have a cohesive working environment with our staffs either working in a different office or even working remotely is the use of Teams. 
So what that looks like is, let's say on uh, the talent acquisition team, we have a remote recruiter. They'll get into a team's call. It's a scheduled time on their calendar. They'll be able to hop in there. They'll mute themselves. And when they're going over resumes, if they have a question or if they want to talk about something, they can easily unmute themselves and then they're able to share their screen. And so it kind of gives that same feeling as if you're sitting right next to somebody and just asking them a question. And so it really builds that connection because then you're still having the time to build the relationships. You're still ensuring that work is moving forward, but you're also having that kind of unstructured, structured time to ask questions and, you know, get work done. And we're seeing a few of our teams use that model right now, whether it just be someone sitting in our Tampa office starting as a new hire, and they have a buddy who's here in our Sarasota office. So we're trying to use that as a way to ensure that we have connection amongst the teams and to continue redefining our culture. That's a great use of teams. I mean, I can see you getting deep into something and suddenly hear a voice <laughs> being a little surprising, but <laughs> I do like that collaborative approach that it's like, all right, somebody's sitting next to me, they're doing what they're doing, I'm doing what I'm doing, but hey, we need to really look at this together. Yeah, I think that's that's a really great way to do that. Something else, and you may or may not be doing this, is I've talked to some firms where they have a partner in charge. So, you know, different partners focus in different areas, whether that be an industry or a service offering or something. And some firms have decided to actually have partners focused on remote teams. Mm -hmm. So they're kind of in charge of the people that are working remotely, or they report up to them, or they're there to provide that support that they need. So um, I think that's kind of another interesting way that some firms have done that. I think Bonadio Group is one of those. Okay. Yeah, that's an interesting philosophy for sure. I'm sure they're seeing great benefit from it. Yeah. Like I say, there's no one way to do things. Everybody finds the way that works best for them. And at Move, we just want to share the best practices so people know options that have worked and can figure out what is going to be the best one for them. I'd like to know what advice you have for other firms that may be looking to expand their talent pipeline and attract and retain more women in today's environment. So just like you said, there's really no one way to do this. But a couple of the ways that I can think about is the first one is evaluating your benefits, leaves program, and flexible work policies just to ensure that you're creating an environment that truly supports women in the workplace. For instance, at KB, we realized that we could do better to support our employees, and we implemented a new parental leave benefit a couple years ago now. And in addition, we're always reviewing and evaluating our current policies and benefit offerings just to ensure that we're meeting the needs of our team while striving to create an environment that supports and includes offerings for each member's unique journey. A second strategy to expand the talent pipeline is really looking at resumes. And when you see a great candidate who might have a gap on their resume, don't focus on the why they weren't working. Focus on the values, the skills, and the expertise that that candidate brings forward and evaluate them solely on that, not necessarily that they've been out of the workplace for a couple years. And also be willing and open for those flexible work arrangements. That's a good point about gaps in resumes. You know, I know that 
could kind of be a death nail back a number of years ago. And also people that have worked a number of different jobs. That can be a red flag, but I think in a lot of cases, what it is, is it's particularly in women, they were working somewhere where they didn't have the flexibility to take the time they needed to focus on their family, whether that be children or aging parents, whatever that is, or spouse that um, is moving or something like that. A lot of times, I think we jump to conclusions and looking at a resume without really giving the candidate an opportunity to answer those questions. You can't make any assumptions in any of these situations. And I don't think most people are bothered and actually probably appreciate when they're asked those kind of questions rather than having the interviewer jump to a conclusion and you know toss their resume in the recycling bin. Right. We can't write stories for anybody. We need to just be open to the conversation and the skills that are out there. And, you know, we're starting to see a lot of resumes come over that have shorter tenure in positions. And so that tends to be a little bit more of the trend and we need to adapt where necessary. You might find a great candidate who, like you said, just wasn't a great fit at another place or had extenuating circumstances. So you just have to evaluate the candidate at face value. Yeah. Give people a chance to tell their own story. I like that a lot. So to close, um, I always like to ask a handful of just fun questions or questions I think are fun. Others may not, but I am curious when you were five years old, what did you want to be when you grew up? So I have always wanted to be an attorney. I really loved the concept of right and wrong. And I wanted to help people. So I don't think I would call it that at five years old, but growing up, that's the only thing I can think of ever wanting to do. And I think HR allows me to help people um, while still functioning that right and wrong kind of concept. Oh, that's fun. Well, when we're growing up, we see a lot of attorneys on TV. For some reason, a lot of shows are attorney focused. So I think that probably comes up more often than you would expect. If you were given the chance to travel anywhere for free, no worries about time you take off, any of that kind of stuff, where would you go and why? So I would go to Italy. And the reason is my grandmother turned 90 a couple of weeks ago and her mom immigrated from Italy in 1919. And so when she came over, she left her parents behind, her siblings Um, because they had health conditions that precluded them from immigrating at that time. So she chose to come here alone to start a family and a new life. And that's something my Nana has always wanted to explore and that she never had a chance to. So I would want to be able to explore that for her and then tell her stories about that trip. Oh, that is brave to think about that time mm-hmm. and you know communication wasn't the same as it was transportation wasn't you know opportunities for women were way less that is that's a wonderful role model to have in your family and i support anybody going to italy for any reason whatsoever and even if you don't have a reason uh, it is one of the favorite places i've ever been so I think you should plan that trip for the next five years. (laughs) I need to figure out how to. Yes. And if you could have one superpower, what would it be? 
So this one was really hard for me because there's so many great superpowers out there, but I'm a very, very practical person. So it's hard for me to kind of get out of that. So mm -hmm. the one that I chose was the ability to have magical icebreakers and to be able to build connection and making sure someone's comfortable through conversation. That would be my superpower because I feel like that would be good for HR and being able to make somebody comfortable during a difficult conversation, but also in my personal life. That's a new one. And I actually really like that. Yeah. I think a lot of times just making a conversation comfortable is 80% of the way, you know, giving people an opportunity to shake off their nerves and also make a connection. I mean, that's what that's we're great. all looking to do, right? Most definitely. Well, Lori, I have so enjoyed our conversation today and learned a lot too. So I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me and look forward to talking to you again sometime soon. Thank you. Thanks, Bonnie. Thank you for listening to Move Like This, brought to you by the Accounting Move Project and sponsored by Moss Adams and Sapro. If you'd like to learn more, visit our website at accountingmoveproject.com. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends and colleagues too. I'm your host, Bonnie Buell-Resick, and until next time, keep moving forward.